0: Victim,
1: catch it. He did. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Road of Is Overtime on Road of Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined as always by Sean Siegel. Sean, we talked on the show earlier this week a little bit about our breakdown of last week's uh, wildcard games, this week's uh, games, and then we're going to we dive in to wide receiver rankings talk uh, for Dynasty uh, on today's show. Really looking forward to this one. Um, but I just want to jump in at the start. Uh, bought some uh, memorabilia over the last uh, couple of weeks. Kind of moved into our new house. We've been kind of setting up our, my, well, my work office and uh, bought myself some memorabilia. Bought a, a Brett Favre uh, signed football. Went Packers crazy. Bought myself uh, a Devonte Adams signed jersey. But the the pride and joy of the collection arrived um, yesterday, which is an Aaron Rodgers signed uh, full size helmet, and I kind of. I wanted to to dive in before that, as we touched on the last of the second MVP award comes his way. Um, but some some it's turned into a little bit of a shrine to the Packers, Sean. But uh, just wanted to mention that one off the. I might have to put up some pictures on Twitter off the the signed helmet. Really, really pleased with how that one turned out.
2: Yeah, that's exciting. It sounds like you're getting your radio <laughs> headquarters really built there, uh, having some rotovis OT on video coming up this year it should be a lot of fun to see all of that when you're ensconced with all of your team gear there and especially some of the uh, (laughs) items that you've mentioned makes it even more fun to talk football to do the recordings as you produce all of our shows it'll make me feel good to think of you there working within your green bay packers shrine and that kind of leads us into our discussion of elite wide receivers and the year that 2020 was 2020 was the year of the receiver we had healthy veterans flourishing we had Devonte Adams earning the highest per game score that we've seen for a wide receiver we have Tyreek Hill coming in there just a shade under 22 points per game we have Stefan Diggs leading the league in so many categories and doing what we had always hoped pushing himself up into the conversation as Dynasty's number one overall player now that he is set there with the emerging josh allen we had deandre hopkins returning to the form that made him the overall wide receiver one in 2017 and 2018 and this is a little bit of a trend now i think that we can say when you go in and one of the easiest ways to do it one of the most fun ways to do it on the site is to pull up the best ball roster construction explorers Uh, maybe best ball isn't your thing but even if it's not some of the results that you can find in there will help you a ton for drafting in redraft formats and dynasty formats one of the cool things that we see here is that the impact of wide receivers within those first five rounds has really been extraordinary right so we have all these guys scoring all of these points the wide receiver one tier over 18 points per game this year Over 19 points per game in 2018. We're getting the kind of points from wide receivers that will allow them to compete with the Uber backs who have risen over the last four or five seasons. That's great for fantasy football, right? Because it opens up multiple avenues for success and different tactics that people can take. If you want to go running back heavy, you're taking a lot of risk, but you have a lot of potential reward. You want to go wide receiver heavy. Uh, Some people have always kind of referred to this as the risky strategy, when in fact, it's probably the safer way to go. Safer, and some people would say, less upside. But with these receivers playing the way that they are now, the upside is getting back into the equation Devonte adams will certainly tell you that there's upside when you look at the points per game that he's averaged but one of the other exciting things that we had for 2020 was the young players right so we have all of those guys if you have a roster that is maybe a championship style roster those are some of the guys that you want we talk on the show a lot about perpetual rebuilding and how we want to stay young how you want to take the risk of selling a guy too early as opposed to selling him too late and make sure that we get access and exposure to some of these young players the young players you know maybe you lose a championship on a, a fluky situation because you had a Justin Jefferson instead of a Devonte Adams a Justin Jefferson instead of a DeAndre Hopkins but Justin Jefferson now I think is the wide receiver one right 1400 receiving yards he scored 63.7 fantasy points over expectation which as we talk about a lot is actually a very positive sign definitely not something that you want to sell but column after this exciting wild card weekend we had a couple of sophomores who maybe get lost a little bit in the rookie enthusiasm and with these veterans putting up the big numbers and our show today is going to be asking where they should go in the rankings and what should we make of their situation as the potential heir to julio jones maybe even the heir to calvin johnson megatron as the dominant physical beast at wide receiver the type of receiver who is unstoppable in all areas of the field who's a touchdown scoring dynamo how much do we look at that, and how concerned are we about the offenses that they find themselves in? And the first player that we mentioned today is going to be AJ Brown. Runs a 4-4-9-40 at two hundred and twenty-six pounds. Over twenty-five hundred yards his last two seasons at Mississippi. He immediately takes that performance to the NFL, where he set a new record in terms of fantasy points over expectation for his first two seasons. Call AJ Brown one hundred and forty-five fantasy points over expectation the next closest guy there is odell beckham at 134 then we have mike wallace the speedster with the steelers at 124 Then the numbers drop way off we've got a couple of drew Brees fueled guys but then we have calvin ridley at 91 julio jones at 88 tyreek hill at 80 the takeaways from this we've got a bunch of stars on this list but also aj brown i mean he's not really even in the same ballpark with those guys how excited are you about what he's done he again had the big performance in the wild card game could have had the game that they really needed to pull back and come back for that victory on the ill-fated ryan Tannehill interception that sealed the game it appeared that brown had beaten his coverage and had the potential for a long touchdown there that's unfortunately one of those situations where the initial read appeared to be uh, to a guy who just simply isn't aj brown and unfortunately wasn't open uh when you look at this offense when you look at what they've done with derrick henry when you look at games like that packers game and like this wild card game where henry is more swallowed up by the stronger teams the more solid defenses even a team like the packers who on purpose right by by design is a more pass oriented defense because stopping the pass is more important In the contemporary NFL, if need be, they can shift a little bit, stop the run, take away the star, push a team into a situation where they have to chase Aaron Rodgers doing something that maybe isn't their favorite. My thesis, my philosophy on this Tennessee team is that as Henry ages a little bit more and as they see some of these games where they don't have the firepower to compete when they get behind, they don't have the style of offense that will allow you to win a Super Bowl that they go a little bit more in favor of A.J. Brown. But
1: there are some volume concerns here for Brown. There's definitely, that's the one thing that's the concern is the volume. But as you mentioned, you know, as Henry gets older here and, you know might start to break down a little bit unfortunately just with the way the running back position is you know we might see the the offense start to lean a little bit more to the pass we have a similar situation here as we do in Seattle and I know it's kind of a teaser for the next player we're going to talk about but it's a Seattle Seahawks wide receiver and um, we have very very similar situations in both teams where we want more passing um, but we're getting a lot of uh, rushing but part of the positive points i suppose as well if we look at aj brown's production has been you know based off some play action and things like that but you know in terms of a big player like that with ability to run after the cats that's something that's special that just does not happen very often um you know you mentioned justin jefferson should be the the wide receiver one but like if somebody has aj brown as the wide receiver one i really wouldn't disagree with that too much at all you know if we look at the situation in minnesota i don't know if the he is getting the volume but you know outside of that I don't think there's many more positives to be quarterback by Kurt Cousins versus quarterback by Ryan Tannehill if I could only pick one of them to be my quarterback I'd pick Ryan Tannehill you know it's just uh, a case of which which tends to get the volume year on year and you know AJ Brown has just been been absolutely phenomenal the other gauge I guess I say would lean towards Jefferson is just the age Um, there's a two-year age gap between them as well so like you said, it's, it's just the the scheme, the play call, and things of that nature that would concern us um in this offense. But I think when we look at around the league, even the likes of Devontae Adams, who's older, which is going to be a knock on him, and then you know how many more years is Aaron Rodgers going to be paired with Adams in Green Bay based on their previous, like the past season's draft and Aaron Rodgers' contract and things like that. Hopefully for me, it's a long time, but you know it's one of those things that's really up in the air. And we look at some of the other. Uh, wide receivers around the league they have similar question marks as well so I, I'm just uh, the words to to go around with uh, AJ Brown um, th- there's not many more words to, to say other than he's an absolutely phenomenal uh, talent uh, an amazing athlete that I, th- I think it's going to continue to to develop here moving forward
2: i completely agree and, uh, but let's talk about some of those peripherals that you mentioned for a second you look at him finishing as the wide receiver six on a points per game basis this year of the five wide receivers who averaged more points per game three of them had a, at least a 29 percent target share the other two ridley and hill played on uh, two of the most pass heavy teams of football and in terms of both neutral and overall game scripts you can actually go in it's a lot of fun to see how teams play when they're ahead how teams play when they're behind you can do that through the nfl pace tool by contrast brown was at 26 percent for the target share and he played for a titans team that ranked 29th in pass percentage when they were leading and 30th when they were trailing or tied so either situation there the titans weren't really going after it in the passing game and again not necessarily a huge surprise when you have derrick henry that does create a situation where you know there are some frustrations or concerns one of the things that you notice with brown and one of the reasons he's been able to generate so many fantasy points over expectation is that he's this run after the catch monster right you look at the two seasons that he has played during that time period only four wide receivers have more total yards after the catch and of those four guys all of them have been targeted at least 69 more times and all of them are targeted at least two yards closer to the line of scrimmage now devonta adams deandre Hopkins, two of the names there that jump out obviously those guys are star woods and cup both rams receivers who are used in a situation where that offense is setting them up for run after the catch situations their target depths much much lower one of the cool things that you can do here is go to the nfl stat explorer pull up the pass location uh tab there and look at what brown has done it really jumps out to you he has bright green here at the 5 to 14 yards in terms of target depth right 215 yards to the intermediate left 380 yards intermediate middle 106 to the right They're using him all over the field, but they're also using him at this intermediate depth that if you go and you contrast Brown with a lot of the other receivers, even a lot of the other elite receivers, you find that that's an area that receivers struggle, right? You get a lot of those underneath receptions where teams are trying to get the ball into the guy's hands, and then for these uh, field-stretching talents or the uh, number-one talents, a lot of times you're going to have these deep shots, one of the things that we saw with Stefan Diggs that was so interesting in his last two years in Minnesota before going to Buffalo was that 2018, almost all of his targets are in that under five yard range. And then 2019, almost all of his targets are in that 15 plus range. And it, it really creates this weird contrast where like, why are they not using him all over the field? Well, Buffalo does and he becomes this star aj brown already dominating the portions of the field that are very efficient from a target perspective he has those 380 yards to the intermediate middle and if he can continue to do that and and like we said there's no reason to think that someone of his uh, size athleticism and talent skill level you know wouldn't be able to do that then he has so much going for him in terms of how those plays translate into points. So when we look at fantasy points over expectation, we think, well, you know, he's not going to be able to sustain that. Yeah, he probably won't because those numbers are just absolutely absurd. On the other hand, really strong efficiency tends to translate into increased volume. This team is going to have to shift uh, just because it's very difficult to maintain the style of play that they have is going to have to shift into a more pass heavy team. So a lot of these underlying trends are going to be very positive for AJ Brown. I think that that pushes him up to where he may be undervalued by the fantasy community as a whole, even though they value him very, very highly.
1: Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take their podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast, and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow. Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to
0: hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Column, you mentioned DK Metcalf, college teammates there, maybe the one player right now in the NFL who is more athletic or even more of a physical force than Brown is, and yet also someone who has uh, some serious issues, perhaps with this Seahawks passing offense. average 21 points per game through Week Nine, and then everything changed from the Seahawks. We can go to the NFL Pace tool here and see that. Weeks one through nine averaged 27 seconds per snap, 62% passes, uh, 36 pass plays per 60 minutes. Then starting in week 10, they slowed down, added a second to their per snap pace, dropped the pass percentage down to 56%, lost three pass plays per 60 minutes. Now, one of the issues I think is that when you hear Pete Carroll talk about how they're going to come out next season and establish the run, They were actually even much more conservative in 2018 and 2019, even than they were during that stretch in the second half here where they struggled, but that's a big contrast when we look at the first half of the season for the second half of the season, but that wasn't the only problem. The Seahawks also became much less efficient as a passing offense. Put this in perspective for me a little bit, and talk about what you see in the second half of the season, what you saw in that wildcard game, and what you expect to happen in twenty twenty one.
1: Well, this team like it started the season so well, um, and it looked like it was, like was really going to to work. It looked like they were going to let Russell Wilson, you know, pass, uh, you know, let him cook. That was the whole thing all offseason and I kind of said a number of times, during the early part of the season, that I would just wait and see. I was always afraid of Pete Carroll like, kind of reverting back to what he has done in the past, and unfortunately, that's what we've seen over the last couple of weeks. But I don't even think I could have thought it would have got to this much of an aggression and <laughs> to what they were doing. Like I mentioned, like we we basically skipped over this game on the the show um, earlier in the week when we were doing the reviews. Like you know, it was there was just so much not to like about it, was so much not to get you excited. I said the DK Metcalf's, you know. Uh, big scoring production it just was a, a disappointing game uh, as a whole and th- there's so much more potential in this offense than than we can uh, we're allowed to see in that second half of the season uh, some of the other things sean when you you know the the pace tool is, is fantastic breaking down the different areas like that and also when we look into the players uh you know metcalf averaged almost a full target less per game based on the you know the the pass percentage dropping off um, as the season progressed the same for Lockett, he lost out on a target and you know then that led to half a reception per game but the big difference was the yards per target uh, or yards per reception sorry Metcalf was 18.3 um you know in those first nine weeks and that dropped by almost six full yards when it got to those last seven weeks of the season the air yards dropped off uh 123 yards in the early portion of the season down to just under 85 yards um you know for that last stretch of the season so it's just uh it, it really, it really deteriorated and it deteriorated in a major way. And the one thing is, we still seen certain kind of sparks here and there, and I don't think any of it was really down to DK Metcalf that the the offense wasn't doing what it could do. I don't really think it was down to Tyler Lockett either. Although as the season went on, it looked like um you know he was wearing down a little bit. But the, it's, it's unfortunate. I just think it's just a scenario we're going to be in with Pete Carroll offenses is that they're going to like to run the ball, and we talked about AJ Brown and the offense he's in, and. Um, similar situations. We're gonna have those explosive weeks in Seattle. We're gonna have them uh with Tennessee as well. But I, I'm really, really bullish on on Metcalf's talent um, you know, going going forward here. And I think, you know, him and Brown are for me are etched definitely in those top five wide receivers uh, in terms of, of dynasty uh prospects moving forward. Obviously there was a drop off in his touchdowns as well, but your know, touchdowns can be a little bit fluky with with how things balance out there. Um I'm hoping, you know, you touched on how they were in in year 2017, 2018, and I, you know, I, I'm hoping that it doesn't get back to a situation like that. Like 20 2019, it uh, was an average, you know, 52 48 in favor of the pass, and 2018 was 49 uh, 54 in favor of the the rush. Um, so, like, you know, things can get worse, but uh, I'm hoping things things don't get worse as we move forward here. You know i like pete carroll but i think and it's not going to happen because they got to the playoffs and seahawks fans out there i don't know if they'll agree or not but i think the best thing for this offense would be to have a you know a new kind of invigorated offensive mind uh in seattle i think that would like we could see this here really go turn into a juggernaut but i don't think we're going to see that with pete carroll um I, i think we'll probably see similar to what we've seen this season where we'll have those big spike weeks probably not as much of a a distinction between the the first nine weeks and then the the end of the season i think it'll be more a case of one week and up and down up and down as the season goes on but i still think you can be very confident in in metcalf having those uh productive weeks throughout that as well um but there's a little bit of a, a fear that there's a cap on that ceiling um moving forward do you think Sean do, like we can't make uh, make the decision to take in an offensive minded coach but do you think that's something that would would probably boost the Seahawks offense in a in a, a dramatic way?
2: Scheme seems to factor in here a little bit. You read some of the things that they've said in the aftermath of this loss and it almost feels like they are capitulating in the face of some of the defensive adjustments that have been made, right? From 2017 to 2019, Wilson was averaging 9.4 air yards per attempt and was above 9 in every season. And, and that was pretty similar in the first nine weeks of 2020. He was at 8.9. But over the last eight weeks, that number collapsed to 7.9. And you mentioned it as it related to the air yard drop for Metcalf if they're going to allow defenses to take away some of the things that they do best, that's going to be a real problem for them. The other element, as you've mentioned before, is just that if they can get this offensive line turned around at all, it's going to really help give a chance to take some of those deep shots. Now, I do think that there's some good news in that Wilson is a very efficient passer since 2015 his 4.0 uh, fantasy points over expectation per game as a passer that trails only Patrick Mahomes who, who's way ahead but you know that's not a surprise you know former Mahomes there and the last time that Wilson went through an off stretch you know he wasn't particularly good in 2016 by his standards but he erupted for a huge performance the following year in 2017 he led the NFL in air yards attempted finished second in air yards completed ranked second in passing touchdowns one of the reasons why the first half of 2020 was so exciting is that we knew he could do this right you know we've seen him do things with doug baldwin obviously tyler lockett has been probably a player playing a little bit above his head based on the opportunities that wilson provides and that's not to take anything away from lockett who is a very very good nfl player but when we look at what happened here we look at metcalf's performance in the wildcard game you know he has the 11 targets he only catches five of them But even with five, right, he gets 96 yards, two scores. He had the potential for another long touchdown when he was behind the defense and Wilson missed him because the offensive line didn't give him time to make the throw accurately, even in an environment in which they're held down a little bit. Metcalf is going to almost certainly do better than he did over the second half of 2020. And then if the environment improves again, then he becomes, you know, this world destroying superstar. So I think that when we're looking at the possible scenarios that could occur in 2021, we have to be aware of the fact that probably it skews to the upside. And that when we're buying Metcalf, we're probably going to be buying him at a price that reflects a lot of the downside of this offense being disappointing and maybe doesn't reflect yet enough of the potential for things to go in a way where the offense is more aggressive if their defense plays a little bit worse has some injuries they have to go after it then you know you simply can't run the ball into the into the line and try and keep up and so the performance of the defense and and how healthy the defense is those kinds of things will also play a role in what the offense does and we want to make sure that we have some of that exposure You had mentioned earlier in the show about Odell Beckham and his standing. One of the cool things here is we can use the screener to pick up the first two seasons for NFL wide receivers. And when we put them together, one of the things that our research has shown is that receivers who break out as rookies go on to very, very good NFL careers receivers who break out in their second year go on to very very good nfl careers i mean those are the two groups that have the most stars and so when we put those two groups together or combine the two seasons it shouldn't be a surprise to us that the list is a list of superstars right we have odell beckham at the top we have aj green there almost a full 100 points back at 519 michael thomas at 518 marcus colston larry fitzgerald juju smith schuster whom we talked about on tuesday josh gordon really the one guy who flamed out and we know that there were things outside of football that contributed to that then metcalf and brown actually come in right there together at forty four they're one point ahead of julio jones the player i think they maybe most resemble in terms of taking at his mantle and becoming the next star in that kind of way Jarvis Landry behind him, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, Calvin Johnson, so Megatron, a player that these uh, that this duo has outscored through two seasons, and then Tyreek Hill. So when you look at them in the middle of that pack and we're debating who the dynasty number one should be, I think that that context gives you a lot of enthusiasm for where those two players are. And that context, when we think of the fact that their passing offenses have not been what they might be in the future right hopefully these guys both have eight to ten more good years left and you know we could see a coaching change we could see more explosiveness derrick henry will age out and so i like where both of these guys are going so that leads me to then our final question for today's show of, of exactly where do they rank in the article i talked about how i do have jefferson number one but i've moved brown back up to number two He slips in right ahead there of Stefan Diggs. And then Metcalf, for me, jumps back up to number five, slotting right in between Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. One of the things that we're wanting here is to be able to play these guys for three or four seasons and then still trade them when they're considered to be at their peak. So I think that that age difference there and what that means for us in terms of dynasty roster construction gives them a little bit of an edge when you're looking at 2021, Tyreek Hill and Devonte Adams, two guys who are going to contribute a lot of fantasy titles. So Colin, when you're looking at that, you said that you liked Jefferson number one. How do you slide Brown and Metcalf in there when we're looking at guys who could win your league next year in Diggs, Hill, Adams, maybe some other guys like a DeAndre Hopkins?
1: For me, Sean, pretty much the same guys. Um, you know, a lot of people probably have a similar top 10 they might just be shuffled in, in slightly different orders but for me i think jefferson um, with what he's done as a rookie this year has to be number one um i was saying earlier when i was kind of apprehensive it's a between him and brian i don't think there's a huge huge gap when we're looking into it you know if we're looking at who you'd prefer quarterback i think i'd prefer ryan Tannehill. we talked about the the schemes in seattle and the the schemes with tennessee Um, i think you know the scheme with the uh, the Vikings uh, isn't uh, all that we would want it to be either. I guess we can, we probably always want teams to be a little bit more offensive, but those teams in particular. Um, so I have Jefferson at number one, a little bit more uh that gives him a little bit of a bump over Brown. Is just that age profile, but I have to say, like what Brown's done, as we mentioned earlier in the show, through those first couple of seasons, is absolutely incredible. uh Then this is where we get into the kind of the veteran versus the the younger player, and who want to have on that roster and um, the thing that we've seen this season uh, and the last couple of seasons is those rookies can give you that one now as well uh, it's just when you're drafting those in rookie drafts it can be harder to hit directly on them I guess um, we see injuries all the time we see sometimes inconsistencies um, from uh, different players so it can fluctuate a little bit but uh, it tends to be more stable um, from those kind of third fourth year veteran players but I think at this point, I would have to go with Devontae Adams. Um, in terms of the the longer term play, and you know what we talk about by having that player for a year or two, uh, then selling them at the peak of his value. I think this probably is the peak of his value. I don't think I don't think he's ever going to jump those two extra spots up uh, to number one. But um, I think we could see it start to drop off now as a, a veteran player. But I think the production will get over the next year or two with Aaron Rodgers is going to be at the very very highest level. So I would have him at number three next two players up then it's just kind of splitting hairs i guess a little bit again but i have to give it to the the younger player here um based on his early career production and that's dk metcalf um we talked about the concerns as well about the seahawks offense but um we've seen him consistently put up that production there will be those down weeks but the the player who's next on my list who has the down weeks with the the monster high scoring weeks as well so uh next on the list is tyreek hill um, who we know what Tyreek Hill can do um, and he's obviously paired at the moment with Patrick Mahomes so coming on at fifth on that wide receiver list uh, lots of uh, obviously talented players there are some players who didn't make the list you know that can make the jump you know we've talked a lot in the show but players like T Higgins we'll see what he does in year two I think Calvin Ridley is very very close to, to being on that top five list of mine would we'll be sitting at just spot six on that list so lots of interesting players in it uh, one of my favorites in the league, Terry McLaurin. If we could get consistent quarterback play for him, uh, could probably push himself up onto this section off the list as well. But that's really going to wrap it up for my list. It's going to take us towards the end of the show as well. Sean mentioned his rankings; they can be found up on the Road of His site. And of course, as a loyal listener to the show, you can get yourself a ten percent discount to Road of His NFL Pass. Get access to all of Sean's content, all the other content up on the site. Uh, and all the tools as well we do have a new promo code it is rv radio 2021 a new code for the new year uh, so add that in at checkout to get yourself that 10 off or check out rotavis.com forward slash podcast for further information it is a divisional round weekend it's going to be a fun weekend i hope the packers playing in the first game of the weekend so uh, that'll determine my fun quite a bit as to how it goes if they lose it mightn't be the most enjoyable Saturday evening, Sunday uh, for myself. So uh, hoping uh, the Packers get the win there. Sean obviously rooting for the Chiefs, and we'll be back next week with two more shows. Looking forward to those. It's been a lot of fun. We're going to continue here throughout the off season with the shows. With some exciting content coming up over the next couple of weeks. Drop us a review on your favorite podcast app, and as I mentioned, uh, we'll be back. Um, on tuesday next week with uh, our first show of the week our thursday show we will be trying to get back into those listener recommendations so if you have any recommendations for us send them my way on twitter at overtim or email them over to rotavisradio at gmail.com even if it's going to be an off-season question dynasty question like we did today with our on tuesday sorry with the juju smith schuster question uh, send them in we'll, we'll try and implement the best ones where we can on the shows over the next couple of weeks and with that, that's going to do it. My name's Colin Kelly. My co-host is Sean Siegel. Until we're back next week, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotovis Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovisradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotovis Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount
3: through the Road to Radio homepage, rotovis.com forward slash podcast.